Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah. <laughs> Get ready, kids. <laughs> we can't decide who's going to start the show. I think Mary Ellen, you should start. <laughs> should I start? Don't use my real name. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Gun Show. Radio Gag is your weekly update on how to end the national emergency of gun violence in America. I'm Kevin Hurst. Oh, I'm reading the script. I'm Mary Ellen Novak. <laughs> I'm Tilda Swinton. You all are used to me calling in by now. I'm such an amazing actress. You are. That you can't even tell that I'm from... Jersey. <laughs> from, I don't know where you're from. I think Scotland. England? 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 Scotland? I don't, I don't know. know. Across the pond? I don't know. I don't know anything. It's not in the script, <laughs> actually. So we don't, we're not going to be able to tell you. Sorry. Can you, can you tell we're riffing right now? <laughs> um, okay, so we have an exciting show for you tonight. We have an exciting show for you tonight. <laughs> I have an echo tonight, uh, but before we dive into this week's show, I'd like to encourage everyone to become a WBAI buddy. Ask yes. Me what a buddy I, I, buddy oh, is. Uh, is I have a dog named Buddy. Yeah. Actually. Okay. Good. If, can <laughs> I just give money to my dog? No. No. Oh. You can. Okay. Yeah, you can. He's not good with He's numbers no. or like currency. No, don't. Okay. Bones <laughs> are money. good. Okay. Thanks. Uh, I'm so glad you asked, Kevin. <laughs> a buddy is someone who gives, who keeps our unique volunteer-run radio show going by signing up to give every month. Go to WBAI.org or call 516-620-3602 and become a buddy buddy in the name of Radio Gag. Radio Gag. A $25 or more donation will get you a set of gag pins. Have you seen those? No. They're amazing. <laughs> uh, so once again, just go to WBAI.org or call 516-620-3602 to become a buddy in the name of Radio Gag. Radio Gag. That was amazingly professional. Wasn't it? I'm very professional. <laughs> you are. <laughs> it's not me, honey. Um, anyway, so we always start the shows and we start our meetings with an in memoriam where we talk about someone who lost their life to gun violence. And mm -hmm. um, last week was the anniversary of the Pulse shooting in Orlando, which was the uh, catalyst for the formation of this group and many other gun violence prevention organizations and many other queer organizations. And um, I just wanted to, I guess, uh, tell a bit of a personal, my personal connection to this one person whose name was KJ Morris she was a she he, he she there's some you know she m might have been trans he it was like a I think he was probably he they let's say they were going mm -hmm. through this period of transition and they were very um like outgoing and they worked as security at the at the club and actually my ex um is a professor and uh, they were his student uh, at UMass. Uh, and um, the day of Pulse, it was so weird. Like I had broken up with my ex like six months earlier and we hadn't really seen each other. And then that um, vigil was happening. There was like the vigil the day after. And then there was this sort of like weirdly overproduced vigil that happened um, on the Monday. Okay. Evening outside of Stonewall in New York City. And so... I went down there and I had this, um, it's funny, I was working and then I um, stopped by my apartment and I actually 
brushed my teeth and changed just like I did for you, Mary Ellen. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. You're, you don't know how glad you are. <laughs> <laughs> and changed my shirt because I thought um, oh, I'm going to be around other people, and I had this premonition I was going to see my ex. Okay. And uh, you know, five thousand people. Yeah. You know, everyone was like packed in like sardines. You couldn't really move, and I don't know why I picked this one particular corner to stand on, but I did. I sort of got there, and then. I was sort of like paying attention to what was happening and then all of a sudden there's my ex and um, we didn't say anything. We just held hands and we were crying and they were reading the names and when they read KJ Morris's name, he oh. said she was my student. Oh, and so um, whenever we're doing the sort of, a, you know, performing as human beings, mm -hmm. which if you don't know is we, uh, it's this sort of performance art piece that was devised by Tigger Ferguson, who's a male burlesque uh, performer in New York City. And um, we wear white and we are veiled and we remain silent and we hold a placard that contains information about somebody who lost their life to gun violence. And, um, you know, I have represented KJ on a number of occasions and um, I always look for their placard because I have that connection right. to them. And I sort of, um, you know, so I've, sort of come to I feel like I know them mm -hmm. to a certain extent yes. you know and like after because what you do when you're a human being is you you contemplate on the life of that person and sometimes I think of how much they would like to be where I am yes you know and and they would get a kick out of this out of the other thing just from like the limited knowledge that we have about them and stuff and so um how you know, old? How they were 37 when they died and and like from all accounts, like a super funny, right. like just such a blast to be around and, and just a great overall person. And, um, and so I just wanted to say that, you know, this epidemic of gun violence has these very, very personal ramifications mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. people and the, the ripple effect ripples out into so far away, you know, this person who I didn't, I'd never met and didn't know and and yet, you know, was my ex's student. Mm -hmm. So I think that's very important, too, is because even if I know I personally don't have a direct connection to gun violence, per se, there are little webs and uh, that I do have connections with. But it's that empathy. Yeah. And how can you not be affected by what you see in the news or stories that you hear or what you had just shared? How yeah. can you not be affected and then want to try and do something to affect positive change? Yeah. This uh, Democratic representative from California was on Bill Maher last week, and it was so funny because the topic of guns came up. And, and Bill is a gun owner, but he thinks that our you know laws are ludicrous and need mm -hmm. to change. And... Um, she was sort of, you know, he sort of somehow wound up on the side of, like, gun rights, even though he's not. But uh -huh. he was sort of, like, foisted there for the matter of the argument. And and the woman was saying, he was saying something about, you know, guns. And she was saying, we're not against guns. We're against death. Yes. Yes. You know, and I feel like, yeah, how can you? I mean, it's so, like, there are people I would like to kill, but, like, 
I'm not going to. (laughs) Yeah, you're entirely right. Whenever I have a conversation with somebody and I say, oh, I'm with Gays Against Guns, their immediate presumption is that I'm going to try and take away your gun. Take your gun. Take away the Second Amendment. And that's not the case whatsoever. And then once I say that second line, then you can just, I can always see their shoulders leave their ears. They say, oh, that's what you mean. I know. I mean, although I would like to take their guns. That's the actual (laughs) But don't tell anyone. I won't. It's don't say it on the radio. I won't. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh. By the way, okay, well, thank you very much, Kevin. It says in the script, wow, that was really powerful. That was really powerful, oh, Kevin. Thank, thank, thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Radio Gag on WBAI. So the first news item, so now we're going to switch into the news. Sure. Uh, and so the first news item is for tonight is really a recap of the experience that Paul Rowley, you, and some other fabulous uh, gaggers had when you were down in, I was going to say downstairs, when you were down in Orlando last week during the Pulse anniversary. Yeah. And hopefully now we have Paul on the phone. Paul, are you there? I am. Good yes, Impala. Yes, yes. Good evening, folks. Hey, listeners. <laughs> How's Welcome everyone? Home. Fine, fine. Uh, so yeah. we're excited to hear from you, and uh, I really want to hear what the experience was all about. I mean, first of all, the yet. show is going great. The show that we're, we're Reggie. What do you think? Ten minutes in, <laughs> Reggie doesn't talk a lot. He's not. He's not having it. Um, okay. So, how was Pulse last week? How was Pulse last week? You know, it's it's interesting. I was just listening to what you were saying there about um, people not making a connection between you know death and the impact it has on people. Um, and I think for for me personally, you know, having worked with Gays Against Guns for you know three years now. Um, not being from this country, you know, having like a tangential relationship to gun violence as a child because of the, the struggles in Northern Ireland, but but never having experienced like the epidemic of American gun violence firsthand. Yes, having this empathy for the folks who, who were murdered at Pulse, to actually go to the place where that happened, yeah. to stand in front of that building yeah. was devastating. It just made everything so much more real than I ever thought it would, it would be possible, you know? Yeah. I mean, for one, I'd imagine that this was a, like a gigantic, sprawling nightclub with like dance floor after dance floor. The place is not that big. No. And then you think that this guy was walking around in there for three hours. Where? I know, like walking in circles. Lying on the ground, pretending to be dead. With their cell phones friends. going off the whole time. You know, everything, you know, it is just unfathomable, you know, that is in this space. We spoke with so many incredible people down there. We we met with friends of survivors. We met with promoters. We met with the DJ. We met with people who had managed to escape. Lord knows how, you know. Mm. And at every conversation, we got another profound insight into the tragedy and I have to say, I mean, Kevin, you probably agree, it was just so moving. I mean, as a non-religious person, yeah. I kept on saying, oh, this is the closest thing I've ever gotten to going on a Hajj or yeah. going to Lourdes, going on a pilgrimage, you know, where I'm going to try and somehow, 
you know, honor what happened there, you yeah. know, and yeah, it was, it was incredibly moving. I'm still trying to figure it all out in my head, you know, Yeah. but that, that connection between something, I think that's so important for people to understand, you know, it's like, the, you know, so many times we're involved as, as politically with, with issues that we can't really touch, you know, mm. it's like, oh, it's all, you know, the plastic in the Pacific Ocean, right. you know, or whatever else it might be, you know, we understand these issues to be pressing, important, but when you actually are standing there and you are hugging a woman who lost her friend mm. as she's sobbing, mm-hmm. and there are hundreds of people just like her right around you, and everybody is crying. Yeah. And this is three years later. Right, which was one of the weirdest things about it for me, because I feel like for us, this, these three years have been like walking through molasses in a way because we are constantly planning the next thing, constantly trying to figure out what to do better, constantly trying to get more people, constantly trying to get other groups involved. And so three years for us feels like, first of all, it's like it feels like a miracle that we're still a group and we're all, you know, at least half of us are still talking to each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, and then, from the other side, from the side of the victims, three years, it's a blink of an eye. Nothing. Nothing. It's Just like nothing. yesterday. Yeah. That every day is the same. Yeah. You know, I spoke to one of our Gag Orlando members um, who lost a close friend there, and they said that they wake up every morning with just this unbearable weight on their chest. Mm. The first thing you feel when you open your eyes, before you open your eyes, you know? Mm. And I think this is something that we don't get to hear enough about in terms of how gun violence impacts people. Yeah. That if you're shot, you are dead. Right. You are gone. Right. But whoever is left carries that with them forever. A loud noise goes off nearby you and you think it's a gunshot right away, you're immediately like triggered to want, you want for want of a better term in this case. Or, you know, you're, you're trying, you know, at, at, at the, the vigil at seven o'clock in the evening, um, the remembrance ceremony, we had, we created these miniature versions of the placards that we hand out that, that our human beings carry. And, you know, as many of our listeners know, our human beings are these figures that are clothed in white and veiled and they carry images of gun violence victims to honor them take up space for them and we thought about doing that at the vigil we're like well maybe this isn't the place for that but we wanted to in some way honor the people who had been lost and make sure they wouldn't be forgotten so we made these miniature versions of the placards and uh kevin created this beautiful kind of almost like an art installation out of it and um just to see kids coming up and looking for their mother's photo in the stack it was heartbreaking and you know women coming up and looking for their dead children. Yeah. You know, being grateful that we were doing it, but why did we have to do that? You know what I mean? Why are we all there? Why aren't we all off doing something else? Dancing, cooking a meal, you know? And there was one extraordinary moment where um, Nelson uh, Carvalho, who is one of our key gag members and um, works a lot with the Latino outreach uh, with the group, um, we were still, Kevin and Nelson and I were standing in the street corner because we were doing a late night photo shoot. And uh, we were doing photos of our human beings at Pulse. And um, Kevin, you had that photo in your hand. And, and a car pulled up and the woman re- leaned out and said in Spanish, 
what are you doing with my picture? That's my son. Yeah. And then the security guard like made them drive on quickly because there was no stopping. But they drove back around, and Nelson had this incredible conversation with them um, and explained to them what they were doing, what we were doing with the son's picture. That it was part of this human being thing that we do. And uh, they were so happy. And the statistical and probability of that even happening is almost zero because we were there for two hours. We held each placard for one minute and only five people drove by. So it's just yeah. like literally impossible, but it happened. Paul, yeah, well, we could talk about it for the rest of our lives, I know, but unfortunately. Yeah, we have someone else on the line. We're getting the bums rush. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I can talk for Ireland. But <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Paul. I really appreciate okay, it. Okay, listen, have a great show. Fantastic. And thank you, everybody. Thanks, Reggie. And, and be well, everyone. Talk thank soon. you. Thank you. So, uh, Kevin, tonight's show focuses on the NRA and it weighs its history and to adjust its history and uh, also the current state of affairs and how it's so sad, sad, sad. Yeah. But, of course, it wouldn't be possible to talk about the NRA and its corruption without first addressing the Second Amendment. Yeah. So we have... Um, Igor Volsky. He's on, yay, author of Guns Down, How to Defeat the NRA and Build a Safer Future with Fewer Guns. He recently wrote an article for the Daily Beast that featured the history of the Second Second Amendment, and specifically how the Founding Fathers actually wanted a country with fewer guns. So, uh, are you there? Hey, I'm here. Thanks Hi. for having me on. Hey, Igor. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us this evening. Uh, so, we just, as I had mentioned, wanted to get your uh, feedback and also your just input as far as where the Second Amendment was, the purpose of it, and uh, how the NRA pretty much just Corrupted exploited it. it. Yeah, exploited it. They ruined it. And how we're going to ruin them. <laughs> 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 well, I think, you know, what a lot of people will be surprised to learn uh, is that if you start this history at America's birth, really at the colonies, and you move through our founding, through the Revolutionary War, uh, through the Great Migration out west, the fact of the matter is, is that we always, as a, as a country, had very tight gun regulations. Um, this was certainly true, for instance, when we began expanding out west and folks had to turn their guns in uh, to the sheriff before being able to go into some of those towns and certainly some of those saloons. Or if you look at the early revolutionary period where uh, guns had to be stored in a certain way, you had people going door to door to ensure that they were properly uh, stored and that the ammunition was was somewhere else. Um, and you also had all kinds of ordinances in major cities like New York City and Philadelphia that prevented firing uh, the firing of guns within city limits. So there was this real understanding that uh, while firearms were necessary at that time to subjugate Native peoples and, and uh, later uh, African people who were brought in, of course, for the slave trade, this notion that you had a personal right to gun ownership uh, was, is a relatively new phenomenon uh, that the NRA really poured a lot of dollars into solidifying into the 19, in the 1970s. That, of course, eventually led... Uh, to the Supreme Court ruling in 2008 for the first time in American history 
finding that the Second Amendment had an individual right to gun ownership, um, and of course uh, ushered in uh, an era during uh, really the 80s, 90s, um, and so forth of this idea of uh, that the Second Amendment is somehow uh, out of sync with, with gun control, when in fact, for most of our history, that was never the case. Right. So, Igor, unfortunately, we have like a minute left. So I know that's going to be impossible for you to summarize the history of the NRA in that amount of time. But can you just give us like your your elevator speech about the NRA and how awful it is? Yeah, yeah, I'll do it quickly. Look, the NRA for a long time, until about 1977, publicly said that they supported all kinds of gun control measures. That's not how they acted privately. They Mm. always pushed their supporters to oppose gun control. In 77, they had an internal revolution. More extreme folks came into power, Mm -hmm. and that public face really faded away, and the private way they talked to their members became how they presented themselves to the public, and it really gave birth to the extremists we now know to to be the leaders of the National Rifle Association. Yeah, and, and I think it's that is a largely unknown history, wouldn't you say? Yeah, you know, folks often think that the NRA was this friendly organization for a long time, uh, and that just simply isn't the case. They were actually instrumental in defeating all kinds of gun control measures in the aftermath of the Kennedy assassination, um, and that's, you know, of course, something they continue to do to this day. Yeah, and in 20 seconds or less, what do you think the chances are of the NRA completely imploding before our eyes like a beautiful building getting blown up? <laughs> Well, I think that's up to us, but more importantly, that's up to the millions of members of the NRA who don't agree with its political agenda. We keep on hearing that they're out there. Where are they? They yeah. need to publicly start speaking out against this organization. Amen. Igor Volsky, thank you so much. Thank we appreciate you. you calling in. Thanks, guys. So uh, I just wanted to mention a couple quick things about sure. the news. So there was just one uh, one news event uh, that came through and it was an announcement from last week that we were a couple weeks ago that there was a pending bill and so I just want to mention it was good news that Governor Texas Governor Greg Abbott a Republican enacted a two-year spending bill on June 16th and included a one million dollar public safety uh, campaign for firearm storage so we had spoken about that a couple of weeks ago and very happy that he went ahead and signed that bill and what's amazing is Texas that, yeah it had gone through Congress or, you know, whatever, like the white supremacy building or whatever mm-hmm. it is that they call it in Texas. Yes. <laughs> laws get decided. <laughs> and, um, and of course, it had gotten like shot down. Right. Not to use a gun euphemism. And uh, and so he just went ahead and said it was like a radical thing. Yeah, it really was. For he Texas. A lot of pressure from gun ref- um, gun supporters and then also from the NRA. Yeah. So that really applaud him. Yeah. Uh, so, OK, so here we are. I can't believe we're at the end I of can't the show already. I'm so glad we had this time. <laughs> so if you're in New York, we meet every other Thursday at seven o'clock in Manhattan at the LGBT Center on 13th Street. Our next meeting is actually this Thursday, this Thursday. June 20th. Everybody is welcome, and we can look when we look forward to meeting you. So we'll save you a seat and chocolate. <laughs> um, and so then much chocolate. This is other. There are other ways to get involved. There are other ways to get. <laughs> Marilyn's pointing to the part in the script where it says Kevin. <laughs>
<laughs> so I actually, unfortunately, I have the um, the glamorous uh, charge of fall of uh, being in charge of the Instagram account Yay. for Gaze Against Guns, and we just do everything possible yes. except for light ourselves on fire to entertain <laughs> you all out there. So please follow us on Instagram at Gaze Against Guns NY. I have a long story about why it's not gays against guns and this crazy queen in London who refused to give us the Oh, I want to hear that. Gays against guns. It's <laughs> unbelievable anyway, whatever. Um, and we're also on Facebook and we're on Twitter at Gag No Guns. Gag. Yay. Uh, and a reminder that another way to get involved is to become a WBAI buddy. So please visit WBAI.org or call 516-620-3602 and help Radio Gag support the great work of this station. Or you can give money to my dog, buddy. Oh, buddy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Or maybe just treats. 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 Treats would be good. Okay, thanks. I like treats, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we just have a couple of hell yes. Yes. So we have a hell yeah for... Well, first of all, for Adam Eli, who like is the one who's really responsible with putting our Instagram on the map, and um, there's a, a great piece in this uh, week's Huffing Huffington Post, yes, written yep. by Mike Albo about Ken Kidd and Adam Eli's mentorship, activism relationship. So. To Adam Eli, we say, hell, hell yeah. yeah. And then hell yeah to artist and activist Manuel Oliver for asking ad agencies, brands, and nonprofits to step up and collaborate for meaningful gun reform changes. His message will be taking take place at the advertising industry's biggest event on Friday at the Cannes uh, Lions International Festival of Creativity. So hell, hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah to Reggie. Yeah, Reggie, hell, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's smiling. Um, thanks for for listening and we'll be back next week yes. uh, Tuesday June 25th at 6.30 same bat time so same, same bat gag channel cha channel gag yeah. channel <laughs> yay, yay Kevin this is delightful oh, it's always a pleasure and so now what we're going to do is uh, have our queer tet uh, sister group uh, sing out Louise bring us out here so yes yay Marching in their sheets while my